to share with you kind of the heartbeat of Genesis. And when I say the heartbeat, what we are just committed to doing day in and day out, and simply this, we just want to help all people walk with God. And so no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what's been going on in your story, our heart as a church is helping all people walk with God. And when we say all, we're really meaning not just those who are interested in walking with God, but we want to help all people walk with God. That's what we talked about last week, but last week I didn't necessarily share anything with you as to how do we do that. And so this morning I just wanted to ask this question, how do we help all people walk with God? It's one thing to say this is what we want to do, but without a clear or compelling answer to, but how are you going to do that, we'll just fall prey to talking about something but never actually doing it. And so let me ask you the question, if you had someone in your life that you wanted to help them walk with God, how would you go about doing that? If you have someone in your life right now that your heart for them is, I just want to help them walk with God, and maybe it's someone who doesn't know God, doesn't have a relationship, how would you go about helping them actually walk with God? And maybe you have some friends in your life who they do know God, and you want to help them continue in that relationship that they've already begun, how would you go about actually helping those individuals in your life walk with God. I'm assuming some would say, hey, I would want to tell them something. I would want them to know something. I would want them to see something. Or maybe I just want them to experience something. And I think all of those things would be, yeah, those would be great to tell people something, to show them something, to help them know something, or to experience something. But the longer that I've sat in the scripture, specifically watching Jesus and how Jesus actually helped all people walk with God. This is the conclusion I've come to. I wrote this note in my journal this week. If I want to grow in friendship with God, I must grow in friendship with you. If I'm going to help someone walk with God, when we say walk with God, we mean friendship with God. If I'm going to grow in friendship with God, I must grow in friendship with you. Now, this is not to say that we don't want to teach people or show people or help people hear something, see something, experience something, but in order for any of those things to be effective or even transformational, friendship must be present. Just communicating information to people void of a friendship is not going to stick, it's not going to last. Friendship must be present. If you've been around Genesis longer than just a week, you hear us talk a lot about what we just simply call the friendship factor. And what we mean by the friendship factor is we're convinced of this reality is without friendship with you, my friendship with God will suffer. Without friendship with you, without friendship with one another, our friendship with God will suffer. Another way to simply say it is if we're not cultivating meaningful relationships with one another, we're going to have a really hard time not only walking with God ourselves, but we're going to have a really difficult time helping anyone else in our life actually walk with God. But here's the thing. I don't think I would have to convince anyone here of the important significance value of friendship. I, I wouldn't have to convince you that friendship is really vital and important. But Praising friendship doesn't necessarily translate into actually practicing friendship. We might say that we think it's a great idea, we think it's necessarily, we think it's important, but just because we say that doesn't always translate into us actually practicing friendship 
on a day-to-day base in our life. And so let me just ask you to think through a personal question. Are you practicing friendship today? When you think about how your life is going, are you practicing friendship today? Maybe another way I can ask the same question is this. Does your life look more like a cruise ship or a submarine? Does your life look more like a cruise ship or a submarine? A cruise ship is filled with lots of friendly people often going in the same direction, but filled with lots of friendly people, but you don't really know any of those friendly people all that well. You're happy to kind of coexist with this community of friendly people going in generally the same direction, but you don't necessarily know any of those people all that well. Or would you say you're more of a submarine because a submarine is filled with a few people and those few people are going deep together. So when you think about friendship for you, is it more like a cruise ship or is it more like a submarine? Because I think if we're honest, most of us long for the submarine. Most of us long for a few people in our life that we could know and be known. A few people in our life that we could actually go deep with. Because I think if we do the cruise ship long enough, we know that surfacey, friendly conversations will only take us so far. So when you think about practicing friendship today in submarine or cruise ship, now I think the reasons as to why we might not be practicing friendship or doing the submarine example, I think there are probably many reasons, but the ones that I've often heard used the most, and I've certainly used the most, I'll give you two reasons why we often don't practice what we say is really important, meaning friendship. I think number one is, I'm too busy for friendship. I'm too busy for friendship. Michael, if you knew my life, you would probably cut me some slack and be like, yeah, you're right. You don't have any space, any room in your life because you're just so busy. And I realize that some of us are busy and we're working 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 hours a week. And you might be doing that because of demands that maybe somebody else is putting on you. Or maybe it's just demands that you are putting on yourself. But when you look at how you're leading or running your life, you're working so much that you don't have room. You have not made space for friendship. And I think for some, again, if we're just being honest, the reason that we are overwhelmed with busyness is because we're busy with things that are not really all that important that our evenings are filled with late night shows and Netflix this and Amazon Prime this and Redbox this and hours of just maybe social media. And so because we're doing so many things that are not the most redeeming things ever, we just feel incredibly busy. So wherever you are in busyness, I would just encourage you with this truth that we are always make time for what we treasure. We always do that. If we have things in our life that we deem, this is so vital to who I am and my health and my own growth, we make time for what we treasure. I think the second reason that many people hold back from the submarine, hold back from developing, cultivating meaningful friendships is friendship is difficult. I would be the first to tell you that friendship is not only going to mess with your schedule, but friendship is going to mess with your heart. It's safe to say in a room with this many people in it, I'm guessing all of us have stories of, hey, I did the friendship thing, but I was hurt. 
hey, I did the friendship thing, but I was really disappointed, or I was left very frustrated, or hey, Michael, I did the friendship thing, but I was actually the only one pursuing friendship. It was just one-sided. I think the challenges that come with friendship are many, but I would tell you with just conviction, real friendship is hard, but it's worth it. And that's not to maybe belittle anyone that has been hurt by a friend or discouraged by a friend, but real friendship is difficult, challenging, hard, but it is always worth it. When you think of the best things in your life right now, think about that for a second, the best thing going in your life right now. Like, does any one of us honestly think, gosh, the best thing in my life right now is my paycheck or is the degree that I'm pursuing? Like, does anyone think, gosh, the best thing in my life right now is the vacation I hope to take or the car that I'm driving or the house that I have or the house that I want to have one day? Like, when we think about the best thing in our life, don't we, generally speaking, think about a name? Like, don't we think about faces? Don't we think about people that we're getting to spend time and do life with? Is there anyone here that you think when you get to the end of your life, you're going to say at the end of your life, you know what, I wish I would have worked longer hours at my job. I wish I would have just done whatever I could have to drive that nicer car, get that bigger home, or get that vacation. Like, let's be honest, does anyone think you're going to get to the end of your life and be like, gosh, I wish I would have made more time for Netflix. I wish I would have watched a few more shows. Gosh, I wish I would have checked people's social uh, status updates more frequently. Like, we're going to get to the end of our life, and we're either going to be incredibly grateful for the friendships we had, or we're going to be sad at the ones that we failed to invest in. J.C. Ryle, who's a pastor, author, theologian, said this in a, a very helpful book, Practical Religion. He said, this world is full of sorrow because it's full of sin. It is a dark place. It's a lonely place. It's a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joy. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joy. I think there's something within us that we hear that and we believe it and we want that. That friendship, gosh, a friendship that would have my troubles and double my joy. And so what I would love to do uh, in the remaining time that we have this morning is just share with you a few things that the Bible has been teaching me about friendship. And number one would just be this, friendship is what we were made for. Friendship, what you and I were created, what we were made for, we were made for friendship. If you ever wondered, why do I even care about friendship? Why do I actually long for friendship? Why do I get so angry, upset, disappointed, and hurt when friendship doesn't work out? If you've ever wondered, why do I get that way as it relates to friendship? Well, it's because you bear the image of God. It says in Genesis chapter 1, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I want you to catch what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, let me make man in my image. God says, let us make man in our image. 
God is a triune God. God is community. God is relational. So hardwired into each of us, like embedded into our DNA code, is the desire, the hunger for friendship, for relationship. Why? Because we bear the image of a God who is relational. You don't have to answer this question out loud, but do you know what the first thing God ever declared not good? It wasn't sin, it was solitude. The very first thing that God said, this is not good, was not sin, but it was solitude. The first problem humanity faced was not a sin issue, it was an issue of solitude. It says in Genesis 1, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, if you've ever heard of that verse before, when I hear that verse, I'm like, but they weren't alone. God, he, Adam, the first person you created, he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone because he has you. So how do you look at Adam and say, it's not good you're alone when Adam has you? Is somehow God not enough? And I want to be very clear when I say this. You take away everything in your life, and if you still have God, you still have everything. But when God says it's not good for man to be alone, he's not saying that he alone is not enough. God is saying something about how he created us. Namely, he created us for friendship. He created us for relationship, friendship with him and friendship with one another. Uh, Tim Keller, another pastor, author, theologian, said this, God made us in such a way that we cannot enjoy paradise without friends. We cannot enjoy paradise without friends. God made us in such a way that we cannot enjoy our joy without human friends. Now, I'm not sure if you've realized this or maybe thought about this before, but the beauty of friendship is friendship will last forever. So when you just kiddingly say, yes, this person is my BFF, you're not kidding. Friendship will last forever throughout eternity. One of the things that Jesus made clear is marriage won't last throughout eternity. In the limited teachings that we have on heaven and what heaven would be like, Jesus made clear we're not going to be married to one another in heaven. But one of the things that is incredibly clear is friendship with God and friendship with one another will last forever. Friendship will last forever. It's an eternal thing. So to invest in friendship today is to make an eternal investment in something, namely someone or peoples that will last forever. God not only made us for friendship, but the second thing I'd share with you is this. Friendship with you grows my friendship with God. The friendship that we can have together is a friendship that is actually going to grow and help me walk with God, develop friendship with God. If it weren't for friendship with you, not only would I not be able to enjoy all that God has for me, but if it was not for friendship, I would not be able to flourish in my friendship with God. Uh, I'm guessing you can all, we can all look back over our lives at different points in time of our story of how God used friends in our life to somehow help us or guide us. But when I think about how God used, has used friendship in my life, I think of two primary things. I look back to the friends that God used to encourage his work in my life, 
And I look back at the friends that he's allowed me to have that also celebrate the work of God in my life. Those are the two ways that I see God's use friendship, to encourage God's work in my life and then to celebrate God's work in my life. When Kyle and I moved here um, from the Midwest 15 years ago, the first year that we had here in Boston uh, was really difficult. We were very lonely, uh, struggling with we couldn't make friends. Uh, we had heard rumors that New England is a tough place to break into relationally, and we're like, that's not true. We're, we love people, and people are, well, it was really hard. And I remember after about nine months in, uh, I came alongside a friend of mine, and I said, listen, man, I think I made a mistake. I don't think we're supposed to be here. Kyle and I are talking about heading back to the Midwest. I just, I think we missed something. This is not what God has for us. And my friend was really gracious. He said, Michael, not yet. Just stick it out another six months and let's see if God will do something with where you're at. He encouraged me and reminded me, God's not done with you here. Let's wait another six months and see what God might do. I'm thankful for my friend who encouraged me, don't bail on what God is trying to do in, with you because it, it's really hard right now. A few months ago, uh, I have a group that I meet with, the group I'm part of is on Tuesday mornings uh, here at Genesis. We meet at 6.30. And I was really excited to share with the guys that are in my group the work that God had done recently in my life. I'd struggled with uh, depression and melancholy for the better part of my adult life. And about five Six months ago, God just did something in my heart and my soul that just renewed joy in me that just hadn't had before. I was so excited to tell my group of friends uh, who are part of the group I'm part of. I was so excited, and they just celebrated with me. God has used friendship in my life to encourage the work of God, but he's also used friendship to help me celebrate the work of God in my life. If you really want to flourish in your walk with God. It's going to be through the context of friendship. I love how the author of Hebrews says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect or give up our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I get that friendship can be hard, it can be messy, it can be time-consuming, can certainly be discouraging, but if you really want to grow in your friendship with God, it's going to have to be in the context of friendship. It simply says, don't give up on meeting together, don't neglect that, don't let other stuff, whether it's busyness or past hurts and pains, do not neglect, don't let anything get in the way of how God created you, and he created you for friendship. Don't neglect the significance and importance of that. So let's just make it personal again. Who are you spending time with so that you can motivate them, that you can encourage them towards the work of God in their life? And who are you allowing to come alongside you in the context of friendship so that they can motivate and encourage you towards the work of God in your life? Who comes to mind? What people, what names, what faces come to mind? Now, if you're here this morning, and if you're just being honest with yourself, and you're like, gosh, I'm having a hard time coming up with maybe more than one person. I just wanted to encourage you that today, you can take a step towards actually cultivating that type of friendship with some people. 
that maybe six months from now when someone asks the question, hey, cruise ship, submarine, who are some people that you've allowed to come into your life, that you're coming into their life to encourage them, to love them, to help them walk with God? You won't struggle just to think of a person. You'll struggle to be like, gosh, I've got like eight or nine people that God has raised up in my life that I've begun to go deep with. And I never thought I would begin to experience friendship like that. And what I've noticed is as I've grown in friendship with them, my friendship with God actually looks very different than it did six months ago. The beauty of friendship with one another is not only can we help one another walk with God and build that friendship with God, but the third final thing I'd share with you is this. Friendship with you helps others see what friendship with God is really like. People in our lives that have no idea who God is and what life with God is like and what friendship with God is like, when we are doing the friendship thing together, we're actually painting a picture, giving people a glimpse of the beauty of what friendship with God is like. It says in John chapter 15, this is Jesus, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way that I've loved you. You could ask the, the question, well, Jesus, how did you love us? It says in the very next verse, verse 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. What we, when we love each other in the same way that Jesus loves us, and how did he do it? He laid down his life for who? For his friends. When he sacrificed literally himself, he did that for the sake of his friends so that they could have friendship with God. When we do that for each other, people are going to see Jesus. Because let's be honest, who does that? In our world, in our culture, who are the men and women that are going to be like, no, I'm laying down my life for my friends. What I hope is going to grow and continue to happen here is the way that we talk about each other to men and women that just don't know who Jesus is, don't know who God is. They're like, gosh, I hear the way that you are talking about the friendships that you have. I don't have that. The way that you are talking about how someone's encouraging you or helping you or serving you or meeting whatever the need might be. Gosh, where do you get that? Well, we actually got that and learned that from a man named Jesus. And what we know about Jesus, it says in Matthew, is Jesus, he was a friend of sinners. People accused him of being a friend to people that they didn't think he should be friends with. You and I have the opportunity, just by the way that our friendships play out, to help other people catch a glimpse of what friendship with God is like. I get that friendship is hard. I, I get that it's been difficult and maybe has left you hurt. I understand that we could all look at our calendars and be like, I just don't have time. But you and I were created by God for friendship with him and with one another. And scriptures make clear time and time again, let's not neglect the importance of how we were actually created. We were created for friendship with God and for friendship with one another.